a lot of this past year, and uh, today I'm going to talk about a pa- little bit of the past to the future and give us a theme for the, follow- for the next year. And so part and parcel of this particular Sunday is to look back and look ahead. I'm going to begin by, for myself, the year of 2017-18 uh, has not been a good one for me. But on the same token is I can see the faithfulness of God and I can give glory. In the midst of where I could not come through, God came through. And um, so when I say it was hard for me, my mother passed away in uh, May, I mean June 1st. Um, And so it was a... uh, uh, sudden thing that took place, so it was a, a difficult moment for our family, and um, we have uh, walked through some difficult struggles as a family, but God has been uh, faithful. Now, I can see a lot of you are reading this on the screen, and these things were declarations that were made at this time last year. Now, some of you may, be able, may even be able to read your writing, and you can go, oh, that was me. So, I'll <clears throat> so today's Sunday is the Reign of Christ Sunday, and... Um, It's the last date on the Christian calendar. It's our personal happy new year. This is where we proclaim Christ as king over the nations. Next week, we will begin Advent, the season of anticipation. 2,000 years ago, the Christ child came to the world that longed for a savior but didn't know how to receive him. And the same is true today. We await Jesus' soon return to judge the nations, and we prepare ourselves to be ready for this return by anticipating his coming in Advent. But before we await his return, we proclaim his lordship. But before his return, we proclaim his lordship. Jesus is not the king of kings elect. He's not going to be in charge someday. He doesn't get elected when the government of Canada calls an election and six or seven weeks later, he gets a majority government and becomes prime minister. It's not like the election in the States on the first Tuesday of November. It's not like that. We await Jesus' soon return. He's not going to be in charge someday. The Prince of Peace rules over the nations now. And the church are those people who have volunteered to be the first ones who have been submitted to his lordship.
How does that make you feel? We have a, a, a little difficulty with that word submit. Um, I think sometimes, I mean, in marriages, uh, uh, people don't want to have the word submit in the lines of the vows because there's something archaic about that word, old-fashioned. But submission is really our desire to go low in recognition that he is high. Whether we like it or not in this room, God has authority. Whether we acknowledge or not, but one day, it says in Philippians, one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I prefer to do it now in my will rather than to be forced to do it later. Jesus is truly a, a king with a kingdom. Now, in looking, when we look backwards, we also look ahead. And through our past, present, and future, we proclaim the one true constant, that Jesus is Lord. If we look at those, those declarations up on the screen, some of them maybe have been accomplished. Some of them are in the process. And some of them are still in the future. But regardless of where you're at with those declarations, he is still Lord. The, the point here is that there has been no government, nothing that brings you closer to true authority than what Jesus has done. He gave of his life, he sacrificed himself on a cross in order that we might have an abundant life, and he brought us close to himself. Regardless of where of what you are facing and what is happening in your world, that is still truth. And there are times when we have to surrender what is happening around us and submit our lives to truth, to the reality of a higher authority. What is happening to you is not greater than what Jesus has done. That was a good time to say amen. Um, because if we don't understand that, we will always make our circumstances and life situations at the, at the highest level, that those things need to be dealt with first in order for us to understand what, where we are, who we are, what we're doing. 
I don't know about you, but just the other day I was, uh, I think it was yesterday or maybe the day before, I was, I sometimes, I pray out loud when I'm going to the store by myself. I go to the store often because my wife sends me for errands. Sometimes it's, she gets more than what she's asked for. It's just, it's just the way I, I work. And uh, some of you can understand that when you send your husband to the store. Usually more comes off that, more comes home from that list than what you've asked for. And I, 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 I'm sorry, I'm guilty of that. I, I, I bring home the deals. <laughs> Sometimes the deals are more than what I'm asking for, but, or she's asking for, but the same is, it's a deal is a deal. That's true. But as I was going to the store, I was praying, I was saying, Lord, um, let me back up and I'll make two statements. One is, as a church, we are 20 years old. We started 20 years ago, 1998. It is 2018. As of January 1st, I will have completed 20 years and starting on the 21st year of being pastor of this church. So as I was going to the store, I was reminding God of my sacrifice or... <laughs> if I can say it like that, or my service. And um, I was saying, you know, God, sometimes when you are in a place for so long, you begin to, to see the things that, of um, the places that speak of, and I'll say this in a very, I don't want anybody to think I'm, I'm just going to say it, of my failure. Because sometimes when you've been in a community for so long, you see the people that come and the people that go. And the people that go, sometimes as a, as a leader, you go, it hurts because you see them again and you go, why couldn't we do this continually? Is there something wrong with me that you have to go? And so, just as I was getting out of the car, I saw someone that used to come to the church. And uh, it's kind of like, it, it's kind of like um, back when, you're, when, you're, when you date someone and then you're not dating them, you're not friends anymore, right? It feels like that. It feels like, there's a, there's a popular song about that, but it feels like you're you were once in a relationship, and now you don't even know each other. It's weird. So, as I was, I, as I was praying, as I was confronted, and then I got back into the car after being in the store and spending my money, I, uh, I said, God, see? <laughs> That's how it works. And... Um, there is a temptation that all of us can use that kind of talk and justify how we feel as that being the truth. 
But we always have to come back to a greater truth. And we have to put ourselves into alignment emotionally as well as spiritually that that truth is over that which you feel. I'm not saying that you don't you don't acknowledge feelings. I'm saying you can understand that the feeling is there, but you have to bring that feeling into alignment with truth. So as I'm leaving the parking lot, God is reminding me, I am still Lord. I am still looking after this church. I am still on the throne. I am still accomplishing my purpose. And sometimes we, are, we can be guilty of allowing the self-talk to become God-talk, and we have to understand that truth has to remain supreme and has to be put in a place where it becomes, our, we submit to it. Church, we are going through, we've come through a very significant time where literally in the last two years, if we can just use, and I, I'm just using the finances as, a, as an indication by saying God has provided and looking after us and he's still on the throne. Do I wish that everybody that, was, that came through these doors was this, still with us? Of course. There's nothing in my mind that... that, that uh, wants to see anyone be, I, I want to do it together. But I also know that I have to take what I'm feeling and bring it into an understanding that who God is and what he's doing, and I have to trust him with those things that I have no way of being able to correct. If I'm called upon to correct, I will. But I guess is that when we look at, at the church, our church, when we look at it, does not have its own agenda. We're one congregation participating in a worldwide body of Christ. Our ideas and dreams about how to spend love to our community are part of a grander picture. Our church doesn't run like a business. We aren't required to introduce a new product every year to keep the shareholders happy. We just stick to Christ and Him crucified. Our church has a vision, but our church is subject to the vision we have of the risen Christ. Of the, of the risen Christ. Our best thoughts and desires for the year ahead don't mean anything unless we join with what heaven is already doing on earth. This has been revealed to us in the scriptures, through the apostles, and through the testimony of the historic church. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 25 says, For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Christ is ruling and reigning now. Christ is ruling and reigning now. Christ is ruling and reigning now. But the Father promised the Son the fulfillment of His rule, 
and the Holy Spirit has been given to us to participate in a divine realignment. So the work of the church remains the same. We celebrate his lordship and the growing effect in our world. There's no greater, higher vision than that for the church. Some churches try to reframe and relaunch everything year after year. New vision helps build new enthusiasm and volunteerism, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it is more hurtful than helpful to have a vision if we think our vision for our lives is the most important thing. Have you heard this idea? It's kind of something you may have heard. Follow your own path. Only you can make it happen. Make your life the way you want it to be. All of those are ideas that disguise themselves as truth. You see, we are not trying to make our lives into what we want. We are trying to join God in what love is already doing. That's the greater way. We aren't trying to make our lives into what we want. We are joining in what God's what love, what God is in what love is already doing, in what his love is already doing. But our church is also a unique community with a specific calling. Now, because of over 20 years from the beginning to now, there's been a lot of stuff in that history to unpack. But there, are, there has been words and prophecies that we are the apple of his eye, that uh, we used to be, we, when we were Christian Life Fellowship, we used to call ourselves Crying Life Fellowship because there was a lot of crying, a lot of, um, a lot of melding of hearts and seeing God move our lives together. And I'm thankful for those, those days when God was doing a wonderful work in our midst. He continues to be faithful as we open the meeting place and as we were able to find money to build it and to renovate it and to open it. And we, had, we ran it for nine years. We served the community. We continue to do that. We, even though the, the level of volunteerism leveled off and declined, the vision sometimes ends. It doesn't mean the heart of what God is doing in and through us to our community ends. I am just, when I walk through the years and I see things happen, I have to understand where I have to walk in relation to all of the things that have taken place. Because it's easy to go down the path of, oh no. But I have to remind myself that I have to look at the things that God has done and dwell in his faithfulness and submit to his lordship because that's what Christianity is all about. Even for us individually, we have to be able to, to, to get a grips 
it says in the Word that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I know from my own life, and I speak as a, as a testimony that I have walked through depression. I have gone through and used antidepressants. Because of the way life sometimes comes in at us. Was that wrong? Does that mean I'm defeated as a Christian because I face those things? No. It means I've walked through those valleys and those situations, and I've understood that that's where sometimes you go and you find help and you get help. But on the same token is, as you walk and get help, you still, there is a training or a, 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 in combination with health, there is a, a, a mindset where we have to bring our lives, our thoughts, our attitudes, our submissions, we have to bring them into the reign of Christ. I have to willfully, in each and every day, to take my life and to submit it into His Lordship. And understand that it is what he is doing that I need to concentrate on. Now, just because all churches have been given the same purpose doesn't mean we express the purpose in the same way. In the same way, no two people are alike, no two, two church communities are alike. This diversity reflects God. It doesn't detract from Him. Have you ever heard of this idea sharpened into an attack? If Christianity is true and good, how come there are so many denominations and flavors to it? If these are God's people, shouldn't everyone agree? People forget that diversity always exists in true family. Diversity always exists in true family. Diversity always exists in true family. My son, yes, is a chip off the old block, but he is a better chip. Well, thank you. I don't know where that puts me, but... Uh, <laughs> But he's a different chip. My daughter is different from her mother, though at times she's the same. It's interesting that there are no two people that are definitely the same way or alike. Diversity is part of the family. To understand that is true understanding and allows the, for grace to abound. You see, we are not all perfect. We are not all called to do everything. And we embrace other believers who are not like us and who do not see things the way we see them. We are just called to be a specific kind of community. And that is our why. Now, a few months ago, as leaders, we went through, there's a book called The Why, and we went through our why. And so some of what I'm going to say in the next few minutes is what we as leadership feel our why is. 
it is a reflection of who we are now, not just we, what we hope we are becoming. It is a statement of purpose that encapsulates the unique thing our church culture is trying to contribute to the world. And here it is. We exist to awaken a kingdom expression of family so that everyone can step into inheritance and live out divine purpose. Let me say that again. We exist to awaken a kingdom expression of family so that everyone can step into inheritance and live out divine purpose. Our church is trying to answer this question. What does Jesus' new kind of family look like? How can we invite others into a sense of love and belonging so they can be free to express themselves as sons and daughters of God? It's a tall order. This is what we care about. This is the work we've already begun. It's also a lifelong pursuit. In order to make this a priority, we're going to need to grow together. And that brings us to my text. And don't get worried, I'm not just starting. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 16, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humanity and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? Who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fulfill all things. And he gave the... And he gave the, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way unto him who is the head, into Christ, to whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is it equipped. When it, each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So many things are happening in this text, but I want to focus in on this. One, Christ ascends. Two, he gives us his spirit. Three, the Spirit brings us into unity. Four, Christ makes us into his gifts for one another. And the result of being together is a communal maturity. So here is what I think God is calling us for the year that lies ahead. You may want to write this down, because here we go. Encounters with the Spirit in the context of intentional discipleship. One of the things that I've been, I, I think we, we, we've had, but we need to come back to, and that is 
really stressing the encounters with our God. Many people need God to come through for them in an encounter. And He always does. But they still feel bounced around like a pinball because they aren't walking in discipleship with someone else. They haven't made a habit out of being formed by the influence of someone else, and they haven't received anyone else as a gift to them. Others fall on the other side of the spectrum. They're disciplined in their spiritual practices and in their relationships with other believers, but they need an encounter with God to live a transformed life. They spend all their time gathering the kindling, but the fire is never started. Do you want to be a desperate yo-yo forever, or do you want to move into a fruitful, established faith? Do you want to be just a good person with healthy habits, or do you want God's love to encounter you and everyone who comes after you? We need both. We need a culture that embraces both. That's why we are being, and here's the, here's the, the theme, we are being formed by the Spirit. This is what we're going to do, not only this year, but the year after that, and the year after that, and the year after that, and the year after that. I'm not saying we're going to not have themes. All I'm saying is, this is pivotal. Spiritual formation that's directed not by our best efforts, but by encounters with the Holy Spirit Himself. We're going to have to create a culture that sustains this. It's not just a pastor or a super spiritual people. It is a work of all of us that has to participate in. Did you hear me? It's not just something that is done by one person or by super people. We have to continue to do it together. We have to sustain this culture. We have to walk. So an awakening church is meant to be a flourishing people. What do I mean by that? We have a value to, dis to disciple people so that they are emotionally healthy and relationally mature. Oh boy, that's a big tall order. In uh, 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, it says that we should prosper as our soul prospers. Now, that's not speaking of financial prosperity so much as the fact that our prosperity is, is in tune with what's going on inside of us, and we need to be a flourishing people. Can I say this with all love and I, I, I want there to be this year some emotional healing in this body. There are people that are suffering emotionally. 
Now, some of you are going to go, oh, you're preaching. Did you know my mail? Did you preach? Like, do you know something? about? I, I want to say is that I'm not preaching at any particular people. I'm preaching at the group. But what I have found over the last two or three years is we as a church have had an unnormal high amount of people walking through emotional difficulties and in depression and in emotional illness or illness in that regard. And I'm only wanting to right now acknowledge that is under the bullseye of God doing a work in people's lives. What am I saying with that? I'm not trying to point people out. I'm trying to say is, you know what? God wants to bring healing. As the same moment, the same amount that I will acknowledge that there is, there is medical help for those walking through depression, there is also spiritual help for those walking through depression. And I can't give you one without the other. Sorry, that's just who I am. I've been on the physical side of depression. It has been incapacitating. It it has frozen me up and allowed me not to be who I am. I've acknowledged that. I've taken medicine. But I also know that there is a time that I also have to bring myself into alignment spiritually and say, I have to get help this side too. What I'm trying to say to those who are walking through a difficult struggle is, the end is near because God is on the throne. He is Lord over all. There is hope for your depression. There is hope for your emotional illness. There is hope for the marriage that's in difficulty, for the relational issues that you are facing, for the, for the loved ones that aren't serving God. There is hope today because He is a God who desires for us to be a people who are flourishing. I'm, I'm believing that what I'm saying is deeper than the credit you're giving me. Because what I'm preaching is hope. I'm speaking to the dry bones and I'm saying enough is enough. We are going to see great things happen. We're going to be a generous people. We have a value to disciple people so that they are abundant and self-emptying in their love and goodwill. I, I don't know about you, but to me that is, that, that is not just saying that you have to give all your money. This is not what that's saying. What it is saying is that God desires for us to be instruments of his love to this community and surrounding area. We have We have been connected. We've been connected to the bridge. We also are very involved in the food bank of this community. Everything kind of has been allowed us to kind of uh, meld into who we are. So the generosity is not what I'm talking about that you have to, that I'm telling you I'm going to, I'm just going to steal your money every Sunday. That's not what that is. Someone said that, you know, the offering is when you, you lift the offering from people. Uh, That's not what this is. What I'm trying to say is the generosity of our love is pouring out of who we are. 
you know, I will never forget, like, um, if it wasn't for the generosity, uh, someone's going to have to, I'm going to have to ask for forgiveness after I do this. Can I do this? Everybody say, yes, I can do this. But I will never forget the generosity that Hugo showed to Juan. Juan was a, a fellow who's from Mexico who came to get work, and because they had a bond, Juan could barely speak English, but he sat back there, and after, one, after a message in tongues or a prophecy through tongues, he said, I can tell you what you said. Oh, was I speaking Spanish, Barb said? No, <laughs> you weren't speaking Spanish, but I know what you said. One is a result and the fruit of a generous people. We're not talking about the finances. We're talking about our life, giving of who we are, because that's who we are. It's just a matter of fact. I want to speak and prophesy over all of you is that you are not just a people unto yourself, but you have a heart for those that are around you. Everyone that's in this room, you have a heart for and to and to this community. That should excite you. It should, it should bless you beyond measure because God has enabled and seen you to be who you are and is bringing you forward, calling you up as a generous people. We are to be a worshiping people. We have a value to disciple people so that they can be obsessed with celebrating Jesus and lifting up his name in every expression of their lives. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. The scripture verse for the other one was 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. And lastly, a unified people. We have a value to disciple people so they are brought together in diversity for a higher collective purpose. We are diversified, but to bring us into a, a collective purpose. So here are my closing thoughts. Everyone here is on a journey of discovery of God. Who He is and what He has for you in everything. That means that God is not you. So we need to ask ourselves, where is our focus? Everyone is on a journey of discovering God. Who he is and what he has for you in everything. You see, God just doesn't want to draw close to you every Sunday. He wants to draw close to you every day, every hour. He desires to walk with you. You see, if, if we just come to Sunday mornings to get our fix, to get through the next week, then we, we're missing the, the point. God desires that we would discover Him and that He would be our source. He desires to minister to you at every level, at every place in your need. 
But not only out of your need, but out of his vision and out of his identity of you. Places that you haven't even seen yet in yourself. I don't know about you, but that's a good word right there. My next thought is, discovery of life is not what you receive, earn, or learn. It is what and who you give your life to. Generous people, the discovery of life itself is not what you receive, earn, learn. It is what and who you give your life to. Your investment of your resources is meant to live long after you and not just for you. I'm not, just, I'm not talking about, just about money. I'm talking about what do we sacrifice as part of a process in growing with God. My next thought is worship is not something that's done in front of you or for you, but it's something you participate in every day and all day. Worship is not done, some, not done from the front to you. It's not something that's done for you. It's something that you participate in all day, every day. <laughs> so, what does that mean? That means as Tracy goes to work, he's worshiping God. Work is part of your worship. It's not something that just sustains you. It's something of who, of, of your value, but it's not something that you place every of your identity in because your identity is in Christ, but what you do is an act of worship. We are planning to put together an album of, of the music that is that makes us who we are as a church. We've decided that we would put in a, a recording studio. It's, it's to help with the, the details of the final project, but I guess what I'm trying to say is that the process of putting something out for the world means we have to be it. Church, I'm, I'm asking you to, to join in with the, the whole vision of what worship is, and that it would encompass you and be a part of you. I'm not talking about singing around with putting earphones on our head all day and, and being in our own world. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the worship that we have of who He is. We submit ourselves, our lives to Him, and our act, our whole life is a reflection or an act of worship unto God. And what we sing from here is a reflection of what God has done in and through us, and it is part of who we are. It's not just them. Because if it's just them, then it's only the few, and that's not what God's called us to. God's called us together as a people with diverse talents that have a purpose. And quite frankly, if we have a vision for this to go to the world, it is you. It is you that's making that possible. 
It is a part of you and your vision for what God has that's making that possible. Well, I don't sing that that in music. Well, guess what? That's okay. God's got a, a whole bunch of stuff inside of us. It's not the style of music. It's what is coming from our heart and our heart of what God is birthing in and through us, coming back to the ask, aspect of, of church family. Right? Remember what I said? Trying to go back to the family part. Where was that? Okay. I said it, so you can go back into the podcast and look at it, remember it. The last thing I want to say is this. Unity is not, sorry, is not an agreement of thoughts, but it is a value to practice for your destiny and your uniqueness to thrive in. Unity is not an agreement of thought, but a value to practice your destiny and uniqueness to thrive in. Why do I say that? Well, guess what? Because we're all different, we think different. And your destiny of who you are is not something you can just do by yourself. You know what? God has given each of you a destiny and a uniqueness, but that uniqueness can only be discovered in people. People can't know how unique or what your destiny is if you're by yourself. Try it. Put yourself, we have a sound booth room over there. You could put yourself in that room and try to discover your uniqueness and see if everybody else sees it. It doesn't work when you're by yourself. You will not be able to make a difference in this world in your uniqueness and your destiny just by yourself. You need other people to discover who you are and your gift and the blessing that you can be to them. Church, there are people in this room that have a uniqueness and a gifting and a calling that desires to minister to the other person in such a wonderful way that I, from the front, cannot do. By myself, I have tried to be, I can be a, what is that famous line? I can be a, but a master of none. I can be a... Jack of all trades and master of none. I can, I can try to be a jack of all trades. It's very impossible. I, I've tried to, be, I tried to be a financial planner to someone. I tried to be a political advisor to someone else. I've tried to be a business help. It, you know what? It, a dad, all those things, they're impossible to do from one person to a group. But you know what? There is blessing after blessing after blessing in this room for people to discover. Just saying. 
We exist to awaken a kingdom expression of family. That's what I was looking for. So that everyone can step into inheritance and live out divine purpose. Church, it is time to walk into a formation of the Spirit. Once again, submitting our lives to His Lordship and saying, yes, Lord, Here am I. Use me. There is such an urgency in my heart and a, a passion. Let me back up. Remember when I told you about my drive to the store? I started off by saying, God, you know how I've wanted always to make a difference in people's lives. And it's funny, the enemy would love to hear your, what drives you and sets you apart, what God has given to you as a, as a life goal and turn around and show you how you failed. how it didn't work, and it won't work. I want to tell you is the things that God has made you to be are valid, they are alive, and well, and you need to feed that properly. Just as much as you feed your physical being with food to live, you have to feed that which God has made you to be. You need to feed on Him. You need to spend time in His presence. You need to encounter who He is. You need to dwell on the truth of what that is and develop that in your life. It's part of the discipleship He's called you to. And the fact is, is that when we get, we get sidetracked because we allow the enemy to disciple us, not obviously and not intentionally, but sometimes we, because of the way our feelings are working, we gravitate to be discipled that way. Your feelings are a lousy teacher. It's discipleship 101. If you allow your feelings to generate your path, you will always feel like you've never made it. I will always be looking and seeing out into the, into this, into the community and seeing people, the people that used to come and, and, and think of what a failure I am. I have made mistakes, no doubt. I would love to, re to redo it all over. I get a chance to, I would. But the fact is, is that God didn't call me to be a failure. 
The only person who's trying to label that on me is the enemy himself. If he can get me to think about how bad and where I'm not at, then I won't be able to do what I'm supposed to do and what I'm called to do. And right now, all of us need to understand is that there is a drive within each and every one of you, a diversity, a calling, an effect that God is designing and establishing, and He's lifting it up for a purpose to make a difference in life itself. I've never known that before. I'm sure the 12 who Jesus called didn't think that way either at the time. They just thought they were following this Messiah that was going to bring the rulership of God. Matter of fact, they fought. I want to be a leader in this kingdom. I want to be on your right and your left. Jesus said, it's not for me to decide. You have to, and then he talked about suffering. We have to be able to walk in the sufferings of Christ and to walk in our submission to him and in order to see some of the things that he desires to do in and through us to take place and to plant and to permeate and to be fruitful. I don't know. I, I hope I'm saying things correctly here. But I'm drawing a line in the sand. And I'm saying, church, I want to be the people that are formed by the Spirit. I want to see people flourishing. I want to see people loved on. I want to see people worship their God in all aspects of life. And I want to see a unity that scares the living tar out of the enemy. Enough is enough. Diversity is the key. The practice of that is in this place. And why do I say that? Because there is something about this place where we can practice on one another that diversity and still love each other. It, I don't know about you, but the, the closer I get to people and love on them, the more I find out their, their warts and the things that I don't like about them. But I have to be able to stop and love them anyway, warts and all. Well, I preached a long time, and those of you who are life group leaders, you've just got off the hook. <laughs> Whew! Had people already leave because they thought they were in trouble. No. <laughs> I think that if I can give homework to life group leaders, can I ask you to work on something that you could say, and we will 
We will do that next week because I want you to hear what's happening in life groups so that you can understand what life is taking place. It's not just what's happening in this room, but it's happening in living rooms all through this area, and God is giving glory. One group itself decided to do a free store. I mean, they did a number of garage stores, garage sales, but then they did a free store, and they found out what some of the, they found out things about that. I, I would like to hear what they had to say about free stores. That's when you love people and they come and you have to be able to take them warts and all. Because there's people that want stuff for nothing and they don't look very needy. And as a, as a Christian, you have to be able to go, I love you still. You see, that's what I'm talking about. There are things that God is calling us to that we have to be able to go above and beyond, and it comes in our walk with each other, in our walk with Him.